Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. John chapter 9, John chapter 9, verse 25, this is after the blind man, actually verse 24, after the blind man has been healed, um, it's absolutely incredible to me, the blind man, the blind man is one of my new heroes, um, and his identity was questioned, his theology was questioned, his testimony was questioned, almost every aspect of this man's life was questioned by the very same people who ended up killing Jesus. So these were no just small town punks. These were some serious dudes. The blind man goes from being blind, coming from nothing, being at the center of controversy within this village, and he stands strong while everything about his life is being questioned. I like this dude. I like me some blind man. John... You're like, oh, we know, we know. John, John 9, verse 24. It says, so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, giver of the law, God as they knew it. Give God the glory. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. You're talking about eating humble pie now. I mean... We know that this guy, this joker, this, this carpenter, yeah, he's a sinner. I mean, whoo, those are words to eat right there. But they say, we know. We know that he's a sinner. We know that he's a sinner. We know that this man, and I love the blind man's answer. He didn't sit there and argue, well, there's no way he's a sinner because he healed me. He didn't take the bait. Don't take the bait. If you take the bait, you will debate so good. So, good. so I'm just taking, making stuff up and taking notes. Don't, horrible. Okay. He answered him and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. We talked about this last week. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't even know what I'm saying because I'm saying I don't know so fast. It's more of a grunt. I don't know. But that's what it is. I don't know. One thing I know. You know what? If you were to say that, that sounds so dumb, doesn't it? Hey, how many things do you know? I know one. You would probably, I'm going to ask somebody else. You don't really know anything. I know one thing. What do you know? One. Okay. Well, that's not really a lot. Like, we love to know a plethora, it's a good word, of things. We love, as much as you don't think you love to hear yourself talk or impress people with your knowledge or understanding, we kind of sort of do. We kind of sort of do love having the answer, you know. Teacher. Teacher. I got it. We kind of like that. And so this man sort of, I think, defies all of that. I don't know. I don't know. One thing I know, I mean, really no, I mean, no, no, is that I was blind and now I see. I don't have a PhD in everything, but I have a PhD in what Jesus has done for me. I have a PhD in what Jesus is, is doing. 
And, and I don't know everything that he's doing, the spit and the clay. I don't have everything figured out, but all I do know is that he's doing something. I don't have everything figured out, but I do know that he is doing something. He's up to something. I'll steal this from Pastor Brian Houston of Hillsong. It's one of my favorite messages he ever preached, that nothing is impossible with God, that something always has to happen. Nothing is actually the one thing God can't do, is nothing. Well, nothing's going on in my life. With God, something, and usually all things are possible with God. All things, something is happening. I don't know what he's doing. I, I, I didn't have it all figured out, but I do know that he's doing something. I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But what I do know is that he is speaking, he is leading, he is doing something in my life. I was blind, and now I see. I want you to leave today and even leave this week knowing a few things. You don't need to know everything, but you do need to know. You do need to know. No one, and I mean no one, can talk me out of my salvation. No one. No one can talk me out of my worship. No one can talk me out of some things. And I want us to all be like me. It sounds like, I'm like, what am, where am I going with this talk? I want you to be more like me. No, but there's some things that God has done that I want you to know and be sure of. And, uh, and there's a confidence that comes from that. Amen? All right, one more verse, Philippians. You don't have to turn there. It's a tough book to find. It's before Colossians, and it's after a couple other books. But Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is Paul. And he says in chapter 3, verse 12, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. What an incredible verse. So, Ryan, just really quick. So Ryan is Jesus. He's going to lay hold of me. Just lay hold of me. So now Christ has already laid hold of me. And so my job is to forget those things which are behind. And I'm going to press toward those things which are ahead. And, 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 and. He's so ripped. Allie, you're blessed. All right. And I'm going to, I'm going to get a hold of that which Christ has gotten a hold of me. This is my job. Thank you, Ryan. Is Christ has already gotten a hold of, laid hold of something. And so now I'm going to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing, one thing, one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. I was blind, and now I see. I want to lay hold of that. I want to lay hold of that this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for church. Thank you for today. And God, you have laid hold. You have grabbed, you have literally surrounded us. You are doing something in us according to your word. And God, we want to get a hold of that today. It's not that... It's not that certain things are not important. It's just there's a priority of importance and there's a, there's a focus and there's a perspective, Lord, of our passion and our faith and our trust and our love and our hope. And they're rooted and they're anchored in Christ. And, Lord, there's something that you're doing and have done. And we want to throw ourselves 
God into that. It's not that not understanding Leviticus and Revelation isn't important because it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's doctrine. But Lord, we want to be fully given to and fully aware of what you're doing in our lives, Jesus. We thank you so much. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I grew up in church. I literally was burst into the pew and um, hearing thousands of messages in my life, uh, I was drawn to, to preachers. I loved, I loved listening to preaching and um, I, I, I sort of categorize everything, every message in like two, one or two categories is just to sort of over, you know, simplify it, I guess. But there's this kind of a message that's just like all God, right? You just, you, whatever it is, you just sort of get the emphasis that it's just someone preaching and they're letting you know the sovereignty and the awesomeness of God. It's just all God. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. You're nothing, but he's everything. Amen. It's just all God. He's going to open a door. He's going to close a door. He's going to provide. He's going to speak. He's going to bring you someone to marry. He's going to bring you kids. He's going to bring you a new car. I mean, it's like, whoa, my gosh. God is awesome. It's all God. What are you even doing? It's God. He's got it. You ever been in going through something? Someone's like, God's got it. And you're like, okay. I think the IRS is pretty serious about locking me up in prison, though. He's got it. Remember that story about Peter being in prison? You'll start worshiping and bust out. You're like, okay, I don't know. That's really where I'm at. But it's all God. Right? His will, his bill. Woo! Where he guides, he provides. Come on, church. It's his problem. It's his problem. And it's all God. And then next Sunday, it's like, whoo, whiplash. It's all you. Come on, tag your it. He went to the cross. He paid the price. Baton has been passed. There it is. Pray like it's all God, but wake up and live like it's all you. Okay, awesome. It's all, come on. Cleanliness is godliness. Don't be so spiritually minded. You're no earthly good. Come on, let's go. Two-thirds of God is go. Come on. It usually kicks in about two seconds later. Oh, yes. Come on. Go. It's like, but what about the D or what? Anyways, I love cliches. I love cliches. Come on, it's you. It's you. You're the great hope. If not you, who? If not, now when? Oh, I still love preaching. Come on. Just firing up youth. Come on, right? You're going to change the world. And just get amped up because it's time to make something happen. It's time to pray. It's time to leave the turkeys and soar with the eagles. Come on, right? Woo! Let's go. Real men fight on their knees. Come on. It's time to get holy. It's time to pray. It's time, it's time to do, do. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then next Sunday, after a hard week of holiness and whew, fasting and prayer, it's like, oh, God. You're like, okay, good. Whew. You see, God, to take the wheel. Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't even know if that's a worship song, but I'm just praying. Take the wheel. But it's all God. It's all you. And I love it. 
Because the blind man stands between the theology of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and the law is over there saying God is the law. Yahweh is God. The Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, they were given through Abraham. We know that this is God. This joker over here, this carpenter from Nazareth, we don't know. And actually we're so arrogant in our own self-righteousness, we will declare that we know he's a sinner. And this man stands between the Old Testament and the New Testament and declares, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All I know, and he uses the word no. I mean, no in your knower, no. No, I mean, no, no. No, no, I mean, no. Not entertain, sort of ascertain, comprehend, apprehend, look at it, think about it, talk about it, debate it, sort of have some some fun discussions about it. I mean, he says what I know. I don't know. I don't know. He's not recommending ignorance as it comes to all subjects in life, theology, political, whatever. No, he's saying, I don't know, but what I do know, I mean, no in my no, 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 no. What I know. Let me tell you what I know. I know. I mean, no one can talk me out of it. The neighbor said it's not him. The Pharisee said it's not him. We want to talk to his mom and dad. Can you imagine being healed? In your neighborhood, and there's like, I want to talk to your mama. It's like, you want to talk to my mom? It's like, I'm a grown person. I can see. They questioned him. They came at him. And he said, you know what? I don't know, but what, what I do know, and you can't talk me off of it. You can't change my mind. You, you, you cannot influence because all I know is that I was blind, something took place, and now I can see. So I don't know everything to every, every answer to every question, but what I do know beyond anything else without a shadow of a doubt, there is something that I know, and it's actually one thing of what Jesus has done in me. Now we spend our lives, I think, trying to understand all the things that we don't know. And yet, this one thing that this blind man is so radical, and see, we forget this, that Jesus did so much that actually said that the books and the, could not contain it. There could be so many books of what Jesus did. And this blind man's story makes the Bible. This blind man's faith actually makes it into holy canonized scripture for 2,000 years, what took place on that day was so radical that it literally echoes for time and eternity in Scripture known as John chapter 9. As a blind man stood there and said, you know what? I don't need to defend Jesus, but what I will defend in front of you all is, 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 is what I do know. And I, I don't know about everything, but I do know that, whoo, ho, ha, <laughs> something is changed. I, something God has touched me, and specifically in the area of blindness that I was blind, and so now I can see, I don't understand it, but God did it. I can tell you, I don't know everything that God's doing, I don't know what he's necessarily, I don't know, I don't know exactly what's taking, but I do know what took place in my life, and if you give me a few minutes, I'm going to tell you what he did. I don't know, but I do know, I don't know, but I, but I do know. I do know, but, but my wife, you know, she's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. But my boss is crazy. I don't know. I, I don't know. I used to spend my life trying to, well, I got a 10-question test to see if your boss is crazy. Let me, or your wife is crazy, or your situation is crazy. I don't know. But you know what I do know? I do know. I, I don't know, but I do know that, that, that the Bible talks about serving, 
And yeah, but I tried that. You know, I, I, my, 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 my boss and, you know, I'm a doormat and it's a dead end job. I'm just trying to figure it out. I don't know. I, I do know that greatness is in serving. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just know it works for me. I, I don't know every, I just know that when I humble myself and I listen and I serve and I'm not trying to manipulate and control a situation, but I get low, get low, get low, humble myself like Christ. He said he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. He came to wash feet. He came to say, I'm here to pour into you. I want to listen. I want to love. I want to lay down my life. I'm for you. I'm with you. I love you. Whatever it takes, I want you. That's the life of Christ. And Christ said he came as a servant. All I know is a servant can't be stopped. Okay, fine. But what if you serve like 25 times and then some, and then, and then, and then, and then? I don't know. I don't know. Isaac, this is a Pentecostal church, maybe charismatic church, and I'm trying to, you know, I don't, I just, I do. Do you think, you know, sometimes the lights, you know, do, do you need to have the show? Do, do, I mean, I don't know. Do you think some people, do you, I don't know. I don't know. I do know that, that, that I need to praise the name of Jesus. Uh, I do know. I like to be lost. I, I, I like to shout. I like to clap. I, I, I read in my Bible that David was dancing and whirling and losing himself in praise and worship. I can see myself in David. I can see myself. I, I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, but Isaac, what about the Catholic Church? But what about the Lutheran Church? Well, yeah, what's your opinion on um, you know, the charismatic and then the, the, um, the, the conservative, the evangelical, and the uh, Arminius and the Calvinist? And what do you think? You know, I don't know. I, I used to know everything about everything, about every verse, about every doctrinal creed statement of truth. But you know what? It's funny, though. The more I get, my, my theology is getting a little more simple that, you know what? Instead of bashing the Catholic Church, I will stand there and say we worship differently, but I'm thankful for the nuns and the priests that have gone into leper colonies and islands in Mexico and Japan and Africa and given their life for the name of Jesus Christ. I do know that. I do know that. Yeah, but Isaac, what about the Lutheran Church and their stance on... um, I don't know. You know, when I'm in a Lutheran church and we're singing How Great Thou Art, I'm just thankful for the hymns and also the Selah moments that David talks about. And I'm thankful for the original roots of Martin Luther and the Reformation. And I'm looking for commonality, not uniformity, but unity in the name of Jesus Christ with my brothers and sisters across denominational lines. I don't know. But what I do know is I stand on the name and under the name, the greatest name. Jesus. Yeah, but what about the Catholic Church's stance in Poland in 1920? I don't know! I do know that my aunt, or my great aunt, was a nun and gave their lives to young kids. That's all I know. I don't know. I don't know. I just know it works for me. I'm not, I'm not saying it needs to work for you. I'm just saying i got to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. All I know is that something took place in me, and it is as real as 2 plus 2 is 4. And I can go and look everyone in the, in the eyeballs today with confidence and say 2 plus 2 is 4. And you're not talking me off that. No one's changed my mind. 
I don't know about XY plus ZY plus 5Y plus 2Y plus YY plus II, fractions and decibels and some calculus algorithm. I don't know about that. I know it exists, and I'm, I'm sure it's interesting to talk about, but uh, 2 plus 2 is 4. Uh, Jesus is real. Jesus is for me. He's forgiven me. He loves me. I want to praise, and I want to worship the name of Jesus. And there's a lot of things I'm spending less time trying to become an expert on, and I am becoming an expert now on what I do know. I'm not saying it's not okay to, to peripherally talk about stuff and discuss. I think it's interesting, but I'm now giving my life to what Jesus gave his life to for me. And that is what he is doing in my life. That's what he laid hold of me. I must be so important that he had to leave heaven and die on a cross and shed blood for me. I don't know everything. I don't know what he's necessarily doing in you or doing in that church or doing in that country. But I do know what he has done and is doing and is going to do in me. And he is for me. He loves me. He's forgiven me. He's speaking to me. He's healing me. He's delivering and receiving and revealing his word. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to understand that I don't know, but I, I do know. I do know. Hey, you know what I know? I know every time, no matter if I'm holy or I just sinned, every time I say the name of Jesus, whew, the presence of God invades my life, spirit, soul, and body. You know, I was on an airplane flight to Alaska, and I sat next to some scientist, PhD from UW, and he was actually a nice guy. We had a great conversation, and uh, he just couldn't, you know, understand God, and I, I used to just get into all of the different things, and now, you know, I'm just like, man, I tell you what, there's nothing more real than Jesus. There's nothing more real than, than Jesus. I, I find myself hugging trees now. I'm a tree hugger. Because the Bible says that creation, creation calls, creation reveals God. And now I look around, and I, I can sit with an agnostic or a some scientists and just go, look, yeah, but where's God? <laughs> are, you, are you serious? I don't mean to be arrogant, but are you serious? Babies and eyeballs and brains and the human body and rivers and seas and oceans and eclipses and inches away in the sun and the planet. Really? I don't mean to mock you. And this is where I'm on dicey ground sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to, to mock anybody. But if you are really out there reaching people for Jesus Christ and you're trying to win your family and win your neighbors and literally begin to, it starts to get a little heavy and, and sometimes, you know, they're coming at you and, and I'm, I'm a Christian with a mindset of, you know, I'll take a lot, but I might come at you just, just a little bit, just, just, just a skosh. Because if you start feeling too sorry for me, I want you to know the other side of my story, which is God is so real, I actually feel sorry for you. I don't mean anything by it. I'm not trying to be mean. But you do not need to feel sorry for me because my God is more real and alive than anything else in my life. And I actually feel sorry for people, not out of pity, but out of reality of saying, I can't imagine this being it. I can't imagine being so locked up in my own thoughts and philosophy that I'm trying to figure everything out. You know what? I can't understand 
understand? When I can't understand something, that tells me how big and how awesome and how deep and how wide my God is. When my God says that he always was and he always will be, I start to remind myself that no eye has seen and no ear has heard the unspeakable truths of God, his presence and eternity. Just thought you'd want to know that, sir. I used to debate entropy and the second law of thermodynamics and evolution and creation. And, the, and you know what? It's cool. It's cool. But I don't know. Ah. But, sir, do you know what I do know? Whew. What Jesus has done in me. Man. All I know. What's awesome is that Jesus did not give this man principles. He... he we cannot look at this miracle as a 10-step program of what Jesus did to heal him. Because a lot of times we'll start to see that Jesus spoke to him, I'm the light, I'm the light, I'm the light, spit and clay, anointing. And now came the man's responsibility to do something so God can do. And we often hear preaching like that, very conditional preaching. If you do, God will do. If you do, God will do. The problem is this was not a principle of, okay, blind man, I've done my part. I spit in clay, boom, anointed you. Now go take your walk of faith. Good luck. If you make it to the pool, well, you might be healed. And so it's now tag your it, your responsibility. Now hear me, church, hear me. I love principles. Um, I, I love principles. Get as many principles as you can. Read as many books as you can. Get whatever your parents or life didn't give you. But I look at principles as putting my pants on. Like, I'm pretty good at putting my pants on this morning. Every once in a while, if I have a hole in the jean, you know, it grabs my toe. And I'm like, I look kind of crazy in the morning. But I'm learning to, like, bend my toes and slide back, you know, and get, get the pants on. I have a lot of junk in this trunk, so, you know, it's often, I'm kidding, I have no butt. But anyways, anyways, when I was two years old, though, I had difficulty putting pants on until you learn how to. There are principles and laws of nature. There's principles in money. There are principles in the Bible. There's principles all over the place. I am a proponent. Never think that I'm like, listen, you don't need to worry about that. No, there are principles of money that you need to learn. There are principles of debt and interest and savings and all that kind of stuff. Get it. Get in all your learning. Get it. Get it. Get everything you can get. But what we can't do is what happened in the church is there was mixture and so principles mixed with the power of God. And so what we have to do is we have to say, listen, principles point to the person and power of Jesus Christ. That is one of their great things that they do. Principles serve you. You don't serve them. In the Latin, religion is religiar, and it means to bind and fasten. So what happens in super religious churches or communities is we bind and fasten you to principles and what you need to do when it was supposed to be religion or relationship with God fastened us to Jesus Christ through faith, through relationship, receiving grace. Amen? So that was the point. And so principles, a prayer principle, does not have the power to give you a prayer life, but it does have the power to point in the right direction. So when Jesus showed up on the scene, the law pointed to Jesus, pointed to the Messiah. So when Jesus shows up, 
the law was pointing to him. And Jesus declared, I didn't come to abolish the pointing sign of commandments, law, and principles. I came to fulfill them. The principle points to the power which is in Jesus Christ. So principles of prayer, holiness, money, stewardship, purity, everything point to Jesus. This is why Paul, he had to resist Peter face to face. This is why Paul said, Pete, listen, I know you preached. I know you started the church. I know Jesus said, Peter, you're the rock. I'm going to build the church. And I know I was killing Christians back in the day. But listen, I got a problem here. We got one gospel. We cannot have mixture. I know you're sitting there thinking, hey, these guys are getting circumcised. It's awesome. It shows how dedicated they are. It shows it's helping them feel closer to God. But what we have to do is we cannot mix what man can do and what God can do. We cannot mix. There's one gospel. It's the gospel of grace. Principles there. The gospel there. It has to be. Principles point to what you can do. Grace, Jesus, the gospel points to what only God can do. It says this in, in um, 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is something that, that principles and things cannot accomplish in your life. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. A, a principle cannot do this for you transformed into this, the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You are becoming like Christ every time you are in the presence of Jesus Christ. That comes by Christ and Christ alone. Right. That being said, get every principle of hygiene, please. Get every principle of everything. Get it, get it, get it, get it. But may it point. To what only Jesus can do. Get the principle of prayer. But only God can give you a prayer life. Only God can soften your heart. Only God can put a hunger and a, and a thirst for the presence of God that will get you up out of the morning. A principle does not have the power to rip out your pillow and wake you up at 6 or 5 or 7 in the morning. But only the Spirit of God can do that. We need a word. We need a word. This man received a word. The blind man, go and wash. Go and wash. That was a word. That was a word. That, that word carried the blind man. It was not a principle. That word carried the blind man to the pool, and he came back saying, he came back saying, how do I know that it wasn't just a principle or it wasn't just a set of to-dos? I, 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 I know this because of the blind man's recounting of the scene. He comes back and he says, hey, so this is what took place. Is, is He doesn't talk about, you know, when Jesus spit on me and I didn't know what was going on. Then I kind of stumbled to the thing and I just kept going. I, I dug deep. I had that little poster on the wall, you know, of the drip and the lake and the ripples. And I was like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. You know, he, oh, shoot. Okay, focus, perseverance, perseverance. No, no, no. He says, you know what? You know what happened? You know what happened? I had some spit, some clay, it's crazy. I didn't know everything that, that was going on. But he goes, he recounts it like this. He goes, he goes, Jesus was anointing me. Jesus was anointing. You, you, you would not recount those events as anointing unless you had faith. And you only have faith when you get a word. So that tells me the blind man received a word from God with, with breath 
and with life and with energy that said, go and wash. And it was the word that carried him to the pool. It wasn't just a to-do and it wasn't just a principle because if it was a principle, he would have recounted the events very mundane and practical. But when you have a blind man receiving the way Jesus healed him by calling it an anointing, it takes faith to receive the word of God only through faith. Only faith would call that an anointing. And the blind man said, he anointed me. It tells me he got a word. It tells me he got a word. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, says that God showed up. Well, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? What happened? What are you doing? And they covered themselves with, with leaves. And God said, I'm here. And he literally shed the blood of an animal and covered them with skin. And the plan of redemption was put into place. God knew he'd have to come and die for the ones that he created that did not obey his word. But he said, I'll have to send the word. Because you couldn't obey the word and receive the word. I will come and take and do what you couldn't do. And the shedding of blood in Genesis was representative of the lamb coming to be sacrificed for our benefit. But it came through the word. Noah received the word. Noah built an ark. hundred years. We don't see God saying much. That's the power of one word. Build an ark. Noah's like, on it. The power of a word to cause you to build a boat for a hundred years. Esther, a refugee in the, in the, in the palace. Esther, you, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. She received a word. She received a word. Peter received a word. The power of a word. Peter, follow me. And it says immediately he dropped his nets. The power of the word of God. Paul, who was killing Christians, it said that he held the coats of the martyrs as they threw stones at Stephen. He's on his way to kill Christians. And Jesus, and the voice of God, said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul became Paul because of the word of God. I love when the word of God comes to, comes to Gideon. Gideon is, a, is so afraid and so scared for his life that he is in a wine press threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord shows up. I love the word of God. It's so prophetic and it's so encouraging. The word of God says, mighty warrior. <laughs> and he was everything but. He was scared. Can you imagine like Gideon? I mean, he's just shaking. Where's the enemy? He's hiding. And the angel shows up and says, mighty warrior, mighty warrior, just breathes life. And Gideon's so skeptical, he has to put out fleeces, he has to do all these things because he is questioning the word of God and God will not stop, stop pursuing him and giving him his word. You're a mighty warrior, you're a mighty warrior, the power of the word of God, the power of a word. You need to get a word. God, give us a word. Some of us are still hooked and listening to the words that we've heard said to us from other Christians and other disciples. Remember, the first thing he heard was, hey, um, maybe he's blind because of something he did. Uh, he was born blind. So what you're saying, disciples, is that he did something in the womb to cause his blindness. How stupid. 
People have said some stupid things to you. I've said some stupid things to you. I've said some stupid things to people. I'm learning to immediately when something comes out, just go, I'm so sorry. Because I know how words can play and replay. And we're still hooked on some things that were said to us. And God says, you know what? I know some stupid things were said. I want my voice to be louder than you, you need a new word. You know, oftentimes it's like if we're sitting here thinking hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. It's like stop thinking about a hot dog. Ah, hot dog, I can't. Ah, hot dog, stop thinking about it. You need a new word. You need hamburger, 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 hamburger. And then hamburger causes you to let go of hot dog. God's new word. We're fighting and we're trying to let go. We're trying to get over some of those words said to us. There's some well-meaning pastors and parents and teachers in our lives that were trying to encourage us. But what they didn't know is it actually discouraged us. It actually got us off course. It actually hurt us because the people that love us most can hurt us the most because everything they say means so much. And God is saying, it is time for me to loose the words and the stupidity and the fear and the insecurity spoken over you by people who love you but you need to receive a new word because my word has the power to displace the words spoken to you that are literally keeping you from moving on you got it you got it i want to give you a new word i want to give you a new word i don't have time this would take me 30 minutes to preach but i'm just going to read this Some, some 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 thoughts that i wrote i'd rather preach it but here we are He was born blind. We were all born into some sort of blindness. It's not fair. You had nothing to do with it. You didn't choose it. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose that first church. You didn't choose those experiences when you were young. You didn't ask for that to happen to you. You were born into it. You were born blind. What's the blindness you were born into? When you can't see, you are dependent upon others to tell you what they see. Well, if I'm blind, I need someone, hey, tell me, what, do you, what is that like? What do you see? So in whatever blindness we were born into, we're automatically dependent upon someone taking our hand and leading us so that we might get anywhere. What are you expecting from others? That's your blindness. Even out of a pure heart, That person should have promoted me. That uncle should have given me a check. I should have got that job. My mom should have been more encouraging. My friends should have. This shouldn't have gone that way. This shouldn't have happened. What are you expecting from others, even from a point of need and genuine dependency? I didn't have any money. All my friends had money. I was born in this home. I, I, didn't, my dad, I, didn't, I didn't ask for it. That was just normal and natural. But yet it's still blindness. It's not just need. It's I don't know how. And when I don't know how, my expectation upon people rises. I remember I gave my life to the gospel. I gave my life to church. So when a lot of my friends started making money, I was like, hey, God, they need to give me money. Because I gave my life to you, and I don't know how to make money. But I do know how to do a high school rally. Um, so my expectation upon the church and upon friends and upon family rises. Frustration with people goes up. My frustration because I'm not being loved. I'm not being heard. I'm not being seen. 
But see, what I think I see is not really there. Because what I see is in my head. It's in my heart. It's in my emotions. See, what I see is in my head. It's how blind people see. If you've never seen something, you're dependent upon others. And I've never seen it. But it's in my head. You ever seen blind people talk? Not naturally, but spiritually. You notice they know what everyone else is thinking? That person doesn't like me. That church, you know. And it's like, you know what? Maybe. But maybe it's in your head. I know this because the the children of Israel said the giants think we're grasshoppers. That's how stupid insecurity it is. It's like, how do you know what they're thinking? Well, I know. I have a need here. I don't know how. I can't. You're asking me to do something that I can't. You're asking me to do something that I can't. Babe, friend, church, boss, life, you are asking me to do something that I don't know how to do. It's not fair. And we start to get angry. Just like the children of Israel, when Joshua and Caleb are saying, we can do it. This is our promised land. Come on. We came up out of Egypt, but God has given us a land full of milk and honey. We can do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. It says that they were so angry, they picked up stones to kill them. It's like, what? But doesn't that happen to us when someone just keeps saying, come on. We can get to conference. Stop asking me to come to conference. I have to work. I know, I was just saying, it's going to be awesome, we should go. After a long day, Mr. Workout FaceTimes you with all his workout gear. It's time to work out, man, a program's today, it's on. And, and you're like, just about to hit Netflix, and you're like, dude, shut up. You get angry. Go, stop. Frustrated. When you're around someone of faith, all healthy, everything's perfect, and you're sick, they're like, God's your healer. Five years ago, God healed my scoliosis, and I'm telling you, God's your healer. You're like, shut up. Why do we get so angry? Because what we, what, I think what we think in our blindness is, how dare you challenge and encourage me to take more of the promised land when you don't know how hard it's been to get where I am right now. You have no idea what I had to fight to get here. I'm sure if the children of Israel had their own book called Complaining, They would say, you have no idea what it was like to be a slave and to come through the Red Sea and to come even to the wilderness. How dare you challenge me to take the promised land when I made it to the wilderness. I got farther than my grandparents did. That's enough for me. So when Joshua and Caleb said, man, let's go get more. Let's go get God. They said, I want to kill you. That anger. And it's not that we can't. I can't can't do it I don't know how to do it I can't I can't I don't know how to restore my marriage I don't know how to I don't know how to get back in love I don't know how to reach that person I don't know how what we're really saying is not that I can't it's just that I can't see it I can't see it I can't see it I can't see how the children of Israel came into the promise that's why God said I want you to spy it out I want to show you I want to show you through my word I want to show you you got to spy out before you Before you take the promised land and everything was good when they saw the grapes, but until they saw the giants, and some of you are so fixated on staring at your giants, God is saying you got to get back to seeing the grapes. 
You got to get your eyes back on my word and not their word. You got to get back on what I did for you and not what they did to you. You got to get your eyes on the grapes and the provision and what I'm doing. What are you looking at? I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see it. And we start to say, you know what? I don't know anymore. I, I think I've done pretty good. It's not fair. If people only knew how hard it was to be me, if people only knew how much I tried to pray and tried to get to church and tried to bring restoration, it, you, you, would be, you would not be challenging me. You would be saying, wow, good job. Good job. It's time to get back in the fight. It's time to go after it. And sometimes we sit there and go, well, I will if they will. I will if they will. I will. I will once get more money. I will when, when my financial situation. When, I will if my boss. I will if church. I will if my wife. I will if I will if my family. I I will. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ steps into the situation and says, I just want you to know that 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 the gospel and the and the cross. And the Spirit of God and the name of Jesus Christ came to proclaim that I will even when they won't. I will even when you won't. That the will of God stands forever and it will not return void. That's why the Bible declares your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we stand here as unbelievers and Christians and say, God, I don't want my will any longer. I don't want my will to be dependent on the will of my past or my family or my job. I want my will to be dependent upon your will. I don't want my will to be done. I don't want my will to be done. I want your will to be done. I want my earth to be impacted by what's happening in heaven. I want your will. I want your will. I want your will. Because Jesus declares, I will when they won't. I will when you won't. I can when you can. And so we say, God, here's my will. Here's my life. I want your life. I want your will. I want your word. I want your presence. I want your love. Jesus, I want you. Here's some verses about will. Our kingdom come. His will be done. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will. Working in you what is well pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus in you. I want your will, God. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm telling you, some of you are carrying the weight of your world and this city and your ancestors. I know that hell is real. I know that heaven is real. But I also know that I'm not the judge and I don't know. I do know God is a loving God. He wishes that none should perish and He goes to and fro in the highways and the byways that He might save people. And so we say, you know, I don't know if your great grandma is in hell or heaven, but I will say that God reveals Himself. He goes after the one. He leaves the 99. Our God is a good, good Father. He loves He wishes that none should perish. I don't know, but I do know. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart 
And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. And He will, and He will, and He will make your path straight. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. And here's what's so awesome. If you have a great uncle who's rich, and when he goes to be with the Lord at 150 years old, because we don't wish anybody could die just so we can inherit things. But when he dies and his will is released, and you discover that you're in it, and you receive something, What you need to understand is that our Heavenly Father's will was released by the death and blood of Jesus Christ. And your sons and your daughters in the family of God. And we were adopted and grafted into the family so we could cry, Father, Abba. Through the blood of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, His will was released. And this is it. It's so powerful, he thought, if I'm going to leave anything for my children to actually touch and grab hold of and carry around and put under their pillow, it's my will. I want them to know that they're in it. Not your will be done, but my will. God, I lay my will at your feet because I, I want your will. My will doesn't touch your will. I'm a recipient of the inheritance of my God and the blessing of my God and and the presence of my God and the word of my God. And through his word, we receive his will. Through his word, we receive his will, his inheritance. Let's stand this morning. Not my will be done, God, but yours. I'm not going to live my life saying I can't. And I will when they will. Because I believe in a in a God who who said even if you won't I will even if you won't I will even if you won't I love you so much you're so precious that I had to decide within myself that I'm leaving heaven I'm coming to earth and I declare your problem is my problem your pain is my pain your death is my death your provision is my provision your debt is my debt your sickness is my sickness your cross is my cross Jesus didn't just die for us he died as us he hung on the cross and said it is finished my love is not based on your condition but my love for you is based on the condition of Jesus Christ and the condition of Jesus Christ does not change he is the same yesterday today and forever and he said I want you to know my will I want you to know my will I want you to know my will for your sin my will for your mind my will for your marriage my will for your future my will for your family my will for your city my will for your finances my will for your soul my will for your body my kingdom come my will be done on earth as it is in heaven Lord we pray for your will to be done in this place we pray for your will to be done in this place Lord we want to know your will through your word Lord give us your will Father give us your will Father we thank you that we're in it 
Lord, we're in the family of God. Lord, we're in the will. Father, we want your inheritance. We want our inheritance. We want your word. We want your presence. Father, we want your life. Father, we want heaven to come to our earth. Jesus. Jesus. broken simplicity that is in Christ I don't know but 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 but, but why why this and why I, I don't I don't know I'm starting to know that I know that I know that I know about the will of God though I'm, <laughs> as I read his will his will becomes my will and I don't know but I do know I do know his will. I do know his will for me. I do know his will for me. I do know his will for me. I don't know everything. I don't know. I don't know. I do know. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. In my earth. In my life. As it is in heaven. If you don't know Jesus this in this place this morning, just take a moment and say, Jesus... I give you my will in my life, my past, and my future for your past, your life, and your future, and your word. I don't want my will to be done any longer. I want your will. I want your will. I want your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is the will of and testament of our heavenly father the old testament and the new testament is the will and testament of Jesus Christ awesome 
Hey, if you need some prayer this morning, come on up. We'd love to pray with you. And, uh, yeah. Come this week, Thursday night. It's going to be awesome. Come to conference, invite somebody. Bring someone to conference. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to be revealed in this place. It's going to be awesome. Guys, we love you. Have an incredible day. Have an incredible week. If you need some prayer, man, come.